Welcome to the Power in Motion podcast, the show for women who want to develop a kinder relationship with their body so you can feel healthy, happy, and confident without restricting food, doing torturous exercise, or constantly worrying about the number on the scale. I'm your host, Kim Hagel, size inclusive fitness specialist and certified non diet health and life coach specializing in body image. This podcast is here to provide weight neutral, health at every size aligned information and coaching on sustainable habits and mindset shifts so you can feel your very best in the body you have right now. Let's lace up our runners and go for a walk while we chat. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Joyful Movement Show. I'm your host, Kim Hagel, and this is episode 61. Today, we're going to be talking all about how self-doubt gets in the way of achieving your goals. We've been talking about goal setting this month on the podcast, and on episode 59 in particular, I shared with you my process for setting goals that stick, because we know that over 90% of goals aren't seen through to completion, and I think that's because of a few big but easy-to-fix mistakes that we make in our goal-setting process. So you can go back and listen to that one if you missed it, because we're going to build on it today. The most important point from that episode was the question that I gave you to ask anytime you're setting a goal to get clear on your motivation or your deeper why. Do you remember what it was? (laughs) Pop quiz. It was, am I doing this because I want to fix myself or because I want to grow? That one question is so important because it gives us insight into our mindset. If we're setting a goal to fix something we don't like about ourselves, That goal is rooted in fear and ultimately a belief that we're not acceptable or worthy as we are, and we hope that by being different in some way, we'll find self-acceptance. But it never works. Self-acceptance is found when you choose to believe in your inherent worth and understanding that nothing about you needs to change in order to be worthy. So we want to be setting goals from a place of love and abundance, of knowing that we're acceptable and worthy just as we are, And we desire to create more awesomeness in our life. Otherwise, we're always going to fall short of our goals because fear is never a good motivator. But you know what? Even when we set love-based goals and follow the process, I'm not going to lie, it's still really hard to see them through to completion. Why? Because of self-doubt. Creating a change in your life, whatever it is, requires a huge leap of faith and believing that things can be different for you or that you can do this new thing without any evidence to back it up. In fact, maybe the only evidence you have to date is the contrary. If you've set goals before and, quote, failed or given up, then it would be 100% normal that you doubt yourself and your ability to see this through. It's really hard for our brain to believe in something that it has no evidence for. It requires you to go outside your comfort zone, which to your primitive brain feels like a threat to safety. Our primitive brain, our amygdala, loves familiarity. And even if the familiar isn't really working for us, it feels safer than trying something new. So our brain will feed us self-sabotaging thoughts to try to keep us in the familiar zone, to try to keep us safe. But essentially, it's just keeping us stuck. So back on episode 59, I used the example goal of I want to feel stronger so I can have more stamina to keep up with the kids, so I'll commit to doing some form of movement that challenges me three days a week. 
Now that's a love-based feeling goal and process goal that follows the steps that I shared for smarter goal setting. It's a solid goal. But if it's a new behavior wanting to add strength training into your life, then even with all the commitment and desire, self-doubt is often right on its heels. Now, there's four main ways that self-doubt likes to sabotage our thoughts and prevent us from progressing toward our goals. And I'll give you some examples for each using this strength-building goal that I just shared. And I encourage you to be curious about how these saboteurs show up for you. The first is all-or-nothing thinking, or it's also known as black-and-white thinking or dichotomous thinking. In our example of wanting to get stronger, even though the goal was left open for lots of different ways to move, it's really common to slip into an all-or-nothing pattern, thinking it's got to be three challenging workouts with weights or nothing. So if there's two days left in the week and you haven't worked out yet this week, you know you're not going to get three workouts in. So instead of doing two or one, you write the week off and call it a failure. That one bad week has got you abandoning your goal. The second pattern is perfectionism. Similar to all or nothing thinking, that's when we set the bar way too high for ourselves or create such rigidity around our goals and think anything less than perfection is failure. In our example of wanting to be stronger by doing some challenging movement three days a week, that might look like planning the days out in your calendar, blocking out the hour, listing out the approved activities like weightlifting or spin class. Perfectionism doesn't allow for life to happen or to live in the gray. So if our schedule only allows for a half-hour walk and a few squats and push-ups at home instead of an hour-long spin class, then we believe it's not enough and it doesn't count. The third pattern is people-pleasing. This is a sneaky one sometimes because it will masquerade as I don't have enough time to fit in movement or the kids need me to drive them places or the house needs cleaning or the work was crazy today. Some people might call that making excuses, but I think it's really people-pleasing and it stems from believing that everyone else's needs must be met before you can look after your own. We think that it's selfish to prioritize ourselves and our own needs, and then we abandon our goals but justify it by saying that we just had too much going on. The fourth pattern is mental filtering. So what this is, is when all of our thoughts get filtered through the lens of diet culture and we blame our body for all of our negative feelings or actions. I see this all the time in the fitness world where people are simply unable to disconnect their fitness goals from weight loss. We believe that losing weight is the answer to all our problems, whether physical or mental. So in our strength training example, that might look like measuring your progress on the scale in pounds lost, even though that has nothing to do with how strong you are. The person might say, I'd love to focus on strength training and not weight loss, but I I really think I need to lose weight in order to be stronger. Or I see that it's possible for others to find health and confidence in their body or in a larger body, but I don't see how that's possible for me. Now, can you identify with any of those patterns? I know I can in times past, and to be honest, sometimes I still catch myself thinking this way, but thankfully I have the awareness to see what my brain is up to, and I can usually interrupt the pattern. These four patterns of self-doubt are actually called cognitive distortions. They are thought errors that come from our deep-seated core beliefs or are not good enough a voice. 
My mentor, Stephanie Doje, actually calls this pattern diet brain, as she observed that women who've spent years dieting or hating their body and trying to change it universally exhibit the same pattern of four ways of thinking. It's so important that you know it's not your fault if you can identify with this. We are socialized as women to doubt ourselves. We are taught from a young age to be good girls, to not take up space, to not ruffle feathers or make noise, and to put everyone else's needs ahead of our own. So we internalize that taking care of ourselves or wanting to achieve our goals or create something different in our life is selfish. And we worry about what others will think about us or if we'll let someone else down or that if we screw up, we'll be seen as a fraud. We are also socialized to believe that there's one right way for women to look and that beauty, health, and thinness are moral obligations. So we internalize that our worth is tied to how we look and hence can't even imagine how we might be able to be happy, successful, or confident unless we meet this ideal. I mean, look at what's portrayed in the media, in the shows and movies we watch, in our social media and magazines. All of the happy, successful women, all of the heroines of the stories, all of the love interests are thin, beautiful, and usually white women. We see very few women in larger bodies, and if we do, they are often the brunt of jokes, or they're the cute and funny but always single friend, or the underdog of the story that has to fight her way to the top. Is it any wonder that we idolize thinness and fear fatness? Is it any wonder that we doubt our ability to be happy, successful, lovable, or anything unless we match up? Of course not. Of course we doubt ourselves. Everything we've been taught, all the evidence that we've gathered to date stems from what we've been socialized to think and believe as women. Without knowing it, we have adopted these societal norms as facts, as truths, and made them part of our own value system. We've believed what we've been taught growing up under patriarchy and diet culture and have internalized these societal norms as truths. And believing these things is exactly what leads to all that negative self-talk and all those thoughts about why you can't see your goal through or how you're a failure and not good enough if you don't achieve what you set out to. And that's what creates the feeling of self-doubt and the resultant abandoning of the goals. Now, I realize we're getting deep here, but I think it's really important to highlight where the self-doubt comes from because it's not you. It's not that you're weak or undisciplined or that you're not good enough. Your self-doubt isn't there because there's something wrong with you. It's there because you believe in these disempowering societal norms. So what's the antidote to self-doubt? Belief in yourself. In order to achieve the goals that you set out for yourself, in order to step into the life you desire and feel the way you want to feel, you've got to stop believing what patriarchy and diet culture are feeding you and believe that you are inherently worthy and deserving of having the life and things you want. Now, maybe that sounds great in theory, but it's just a little too out there. Like, how can you just flip a switch and go from self-doubt to self-belief? Well, it's not as simple as flipping a switch, but trust me when I say you can cultivate self-belief. You see, all these societal norms, the patriarchy and diet culture, the widespread opinions about how women are supposed to look and behave are simply that, opinions, or in other words, thoughts. They aren't facts. They aren't truths. 
even though many people think this way, we see plenty of folks who don't. We see lots of women in larger bodies rocking their life. We see lots of high-achieving, successful women setting big goals and crushing them. So that's evidence that it is possible to believe something different. Beliefs are simply thoughts that we've assigned significant value to, or thoughts that run on repeat. As such, we've trained our brain to think a certain way. We've trained our brain to doubt ourselves. But just like we can train our physical body through exercise, we can train our brain to believe new things through thought work. I'm not sure if you've ever heard the term neuroplasticity, but it's something that neuroscientists have been researching for the last couple of decades. And basically, they've proven that our brain is constantly changing and can learn to think in new ways right up until the end of our life. Our beliefs are like little information centers deep inside our hippocampus. That's our memory center. And when we're faced with any situation, they send signals to our prefrontal cortex, our thinking center, and our conscious thoughts are formed. I think of those neural pathways like a highway. And over time, as we continuously think the same way, that highway becomes really well-traveled and familiar, like you're driving it on autopilot. Your thoughts are almost automatic. But you can form new roads in your brain. By practicing new thoughts deliberately and often, you can begin to rewire your brain and you'll start to believe differently and inherent, and subsequently behave differently. Man, I just find this so fascinating and so powerful and it actually works. When I'm working with my clients inside my coaching programs, this is what we do. We dig down to find those core beliefs that are leading to the self-doubt and preventing them from getting the results that they desire. They become super aware of what they've believed and then we do the work to retrain the brain to believe in themselves. Every single woman that I've worked with, and even myself, we've all struggled to see our own worth. They can see it in almost everyone around them, but not in themselves. So together we practice new thoughts, we do the work of retraining the brain and cultivating self-belief, and then confidence comes. And with that comes the ability to take inspired action toward their goals and getting the results they want. So I'm going to give you a bit of real-time coaching here so that you can start this work yourself of becoming aware of your beliefs and then doing some of that thought work to cultivate the belief in yourself. Because listening to the podcast and gathering information that I share here is one thing, but making changes in your life and getting the results you want, achieving those goals, it requires you to do the work of putting that knowledge into practice and working on your mindset with intention. So here's the steps. The first step is to do a big thought dump. So get your journal out and put everything in your brain out on paper. So if you're listening to this on the go, obviously you can come back and do this later. When you think about your goal, list out all the ways that your brain is telling you that you can't have this or why you shouldn't. Get all that self-doubt out of your head and onto paper. This is such an important step and I really do like doing it with a real pen and paper because the brain doesn't filter so much when we write freely. So put it all out there and that will give you the awareness and show you what it is that you are thinking because so often, like I said, our thoughts are on autopilot. Then the second step is to look with curiosity at what you wrote down. Leave the judgment behind and be curious about what you're thinking. Be willing to consider that what you're thinking isn't necessarily true. Nothing that you think is a fact. It's just an opinion. 
it's possible that your brain is believing these things to keep you safe and in your comfort zone. In other words, stuck. It's also possible that something else could be true and could allow you to grow and achieve those goals you have. So be willing to question your thoughts and hang out in the realm of possibility. The third step is then to make a choice. With awareness about what you are thinking and how those thoughts are affecting your ability to achieve your goals, ask yourself, is it really serving me to think this way? And if the answer is no, then you can make a choice to begin to think something different. So the fourth step then is to decide what you need to think or what you need to believe about yourself to get where you want to go. You want to create deliberate, powerful thoughts that allow you to feel confident to follow through on your goals. Thoughts such as, I am worthy exactly as I am. I am more than my body. My needs matter. I am deserving of self-care. I'm willing to try something different. I can do hard things. All the good things I desire are available to me. And then the fifth step is to repeat and repeat and repeat again. Your brain needs to hear these thoughts a thousand times more often than it hears the thoughts of self-doubt. And the more it hears it, the more it will believe it and the more confidence you'll feel. Those self-doubt thoughts will still come up from time to time, but you'll now be in a position to see believing them as optional. You'll have the awareness to choose which thoughts will serve you and get you the results you want. So that's it, my friend. That is how we move from self-doubt to self-belief and how you can confidently make progress towards your goals without white-knuckling it or relying on willpower or rewards. And if you've heard all of this and it's making so much sense and you're seeing how your thoughts are keeping you stuck in old patterns that don't work for you, but you're not sure how you can do that thought work on your own, that's where coaching can be really helpful. As a non-diet coach, I can help you sift through your muck, shine a light on the thoughts that are holding you back, help you organize those thoughts, and support you to make the mindset shifts that are needed to move you forward. And the best part about all this is that I teach you how to do it for yourself using a tool called the self-coaching model so that you learn to become the master of your own mind and can work yourself through your struggles independently. So if that sounds like something you need, then you can learn more about the coaching programs I offer on my website, www.radiantvitality.ca. And if you're curious to know more about how I can support you with your unique goals, then you can book a 30-minute call with me through my website as well. So with all that said, I hope that this episode has helped you think about what's holding you back from achieving your goals and has given you some practical strategies to help you cultivate self-belief. I believe in you. I see the amazingness that's inside of you, and I want nothing more than for you to see it in yourself. I would love to hear your takeaways from this episode, so feel free to direct message me on social media. I'm at Radiant Vitality Wellness, or you can share your thoughts inside our Facebook group, the Joyful Movement Show Community. And if you're not in there already, the link for that is in the show notes. So until next week, be well, and here's to your radiant vitality. Thanks for tuning into the Power in Motion podcast today. If you love what you're learning here, then I invite you to take the next step of embodying these concepts into your own life so that you can live your healthiest, happiest life and never again feel held back by your body. 
Coaching is the fastest, most efficient pathway to taking what you know in your head to actually applying it and seeing results. Whether you're looking to make changes around movement, food, body image, or all three, I'm here to help you nurture a kind, respectful, and trusting relationship with your body so you can feel your very best. Click the link in the show notes to book a free consultation, and together we'll uncover what's getting in the way of you having the results you want. You'll leave this call knowing exactly what you need to work on, and together we'll explore whether one of my coaching offers is a good fit for you. I can't wait to meet you.